People make the constant mistake of only analyzing it based on the here and the now, not over the long term. And I think that's what you really have to do here is you have to analyze when you buy real estate over a five, seven, a 10 year period. Welcome to the flow real estate and money show for people in Canada looking to understand the home buying process to demystify real estate investing and to make mortgage financing accessible for anyone. The goal here on this show is to help people understand ways to make their money work for them, get in the market sooner and realistically completely open up the box on how mortgage financing works. I'm Alex McFadden, your host, and I can't wait to help get you into the flow. Buy versus rent. That's like a conversation or a topic as old as real estate's been around. Like, what should you do? What makes more sense? And the conversation shifts because the things in your life can shift and things in your life can change. But for the sake of our conversation, our goal with our podcast is to educate you and provide you with the reasons that you might want to consider doing or not doing something. You get the facts and then you make the decision. In today's podcast, I give you reasons as to why you may wish to buy real estate, whether it's to hold or to invest or just stay as a renter and consider different options. I try to take as much of an unbiased approach, knowing you're coming from a guy who loves real estate here so that you have the facts that you need to make the best possible decision for your needs. If you like today's episode, please make sure to give us some feedback on Instagram at Flow Mortgage Co. You can send me a DM. Leave us a rating on iTunes. A five star would really help us reach more people and share it if you love it. And as always, I hope you find your state of flow. And we are back. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, that was loud, wasn't it? Just really got in your face there for uh, this po uh, podcast. And uh, ooh, just trying to find that uh, energy here that I need to talk about an age-old adage that people, you know, I think they've gotten bored of hearing about. But I'm going to do my best to make this a very non-boring episode because the whole concept of like rent versus own is something that's been around for well, the better part of a, a century, if not more, from that perspective. And well. The goal here is to put a different kind of a spin on the conversation and really dig deep into it. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do this strictly from a pro home ownership only perspective, but I'm going to try to break these things down because honestly, even to this day, I get the conversation from people, you know, sometimes on the street, especially in the Vancouver area where they, they talk about how they'll never own real estate and that's okay because renting's better than buying. And you know, I'm not here to convince people of what they should or should not do. My goal is to educate people. And if they want to work with us for their financing, fantastic. We'd love to help them. But really, if I'm able to provide that level of education as opposed to just rumors and all that information, then that's the goal. That's achieved. So really, what do you think? Do you think it makes more sense to own real estate? Do you think it makes more sense to rent real estate because of the freedom that it provides? Because some people feel that way and they feel like it's a better financial decision. Now, as somebody personally, just to be upfront with you, someone who personally owns multiple pieces of real estate and helps people buy real estate every single day, I've just seen the compound effect and the value every single year. And it's been a compound effect, truly, where people have been able to multiply themselves. But there haven't always been wins. And there have been situations where people perhaps, maybe they put themselves into a poor situation and, and buying wasn't the best case of action or the best course of action. But truth of the matter is, you know, thinking about the thousands of families I've had the opportunity to help, there's very few that I can count, probably less than uh, I could think of on both my hands that actually regret the process of buying and owning real estate. So let's talk about it. Like, you know, ultimately, I don't know how this is going to go over. I'd love to hear what the listeners think about this episode. But we're going we're gonna to touch on those key points. Now, 
Before you get too far in this episode, I need you to do one thing. If you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on this podcast. The only other thing I'm going to ask you for is to make sure to like and share this with someone else that you found helpful. And most importantly, feedback. Hit me up at Flow Mortgage Co. or at The Mortgage Pug on Instagram and let me know if you're loving or if you freaking hate this stuff. Like if you think this episode is garbage and I need to do better, I want to hear that from you because quite frankly, this is an open platform. It's a way for me to talk and talk openly. I've got some key points. I've got some notes. I've got some facts. We're going to have some great guests on every single one of these episodes coming up, but I want to hear it. I want to hear the truth. And that's the goal with this, this whole entire series is to be truthful, to provide clear, specific information, guides, no, no bullshit, just getting right into it. And we're going to swear. And I got a pug beside me. That reminds me, before we get into all of this stuff right here, my co-host, Chewy, the mortgage pug, he is, he's going to be hanging out and he might chime in a little, no. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, all right. Owning versus buying, you know, every single real estate agent out there will tell you, Hey, yeah, you got to own real estate. You got to own real estate. You got to own real estate. And probably most people in the mortgage space will do so. And if you're on YouTube and you're reading comments, most people that are out there are probably suggesting that you're full of shit. The bubble's going to burst. Don't own real estate rent and put your money into the markets. Yes. And P crypto, Bitcoin, whatever it is that they're selling. And the truth is, you know, all we can do is look at history as our reference point, And you have to evaluate these things based on your own financial situation. Is there going to be a bubble that's going to burst? I don't know. I mean, they've been talking about bubble bursts for the better part of, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I can remember when I first got in the industry in 2011, there were every single year for like the next seven years, there was an article that would come out right before the end of the year. And it would say the bubble is going to burst. Now, this episode is not about bubbles bursting. But for those people that are thinking about getting into the market, they're probably worried about where real estate values are today versus versus in the future. So getting right into it, I mean, leverage itself in real estate is got to be one of the primary reasons that someone should consider the possibility of owning from a financial perspective, at least. Uh, consider one of the possibilities of owning real estate. I mean, where else can you buy an appreciating asset that you can use only 5% of the total purchase cost of that asset and do that multiple times over and over and over again? If you don't already know this, in Canada, you can purchase a home with 5% down payment, assuming you qualify. And you can do that again and again and again. Now it's 500%, sorry, it's 5% of the first 500 grand and 10% for anything above that. And if it's over a million dollars, you do have to put 20% down. But think about that. And that's an asset that you own that is going to be leveraged and it will grow in value, ideally, hopefully over time. You can't buy another investment, typically most investments with that type of leverage or that type of uh, down payment. You just simply can't. You have to use all the cash that you've saved from an investment perspective. Moreover, that's a property that you have the ability to choose to live in as well. Now, if you're putting 5% down, you do have to live in it or you have to have family members living in it and not be earning rent. But the truth is just getting that property with 5% down, 5% leverage itself is a massive consideration. Now, from a renter's perspective, the advantage that a renter would have as opposed to putting the money into a home. So if you're thinking owner versus renter, from a leverage perspective, a renter can leverage your savings by investing in different portfolios. They could potentially earn returns without the expenses or the risks associated with real estate. So think of it this way. If you're putting all of your cash into a piece of real estate or, or a big chunk of your cash into real estate, then you're heavily invested into that one particular product. 
And obviously, as we know, when it comes to owning a home, you've got expenses and things to consider. Your mortgage rate, as we've seen in the last couple of years, can change. Your ownership costs can change over time. And from a renter's perspective and someone who thinks that it's renting is the better way to go, they would say, hey, I can put my money into diversified assets, portfolios, stocks, other investments, and potentially earn a higher rate of return. But I think that a lot of that comes down to where you're looking to purchase to. So if you're the type of person who's purchasing in you know, a community north of, nothing wrong with Saskatchewan, but north of Saskatoon or somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in a place where there's very minimal appreciation, well, they might not see the same potential ROI as you might see if you're purchasing in a major city like Vancouver or Toronto or these days like a Calgary, although Calgary had a 10-year cycle of a down cycle at that point. So from a leverage perspective, you know, generally speaking, we can note that the most of the major cities or surrounding areas will see property values grow, which means instantly ROI on your asset. So as a homeowner, basically, you could have 25,000 bucks and you could leverage that to get a $500,000 purchase property, which means $475,000 plus a mortgage insurance gets you into the market. I can't think of another uh, asset that you could purchase where a mortgage can allow you to do something of that nature. Well, there is no other asset that you require a mortgage with the exception of commercial real estate. But the truth is you can't buy any other assets out there with that type of leverage. Plus there's a place to call home. And when you think about a lot of the major markets that you're gonna purchase in, uh, whether it's Vancouver or Toronto or surrounding areas or on the island and so forth, rent prices are so exceptionally high that this offers you a little bit of security from uh, the expenses and the changes of rent, which we'll touch on as we kind of work our way through this because there's some pros associated with renting as well. Now, the, the reality is, one of the other key points that people bring up all the time, and this is more of an American consideration. So this is why this is a Canadian podcast from this perspective is people talk about um, principal residence tax benefits in Canada versus the U.S. Well, in the U.S., you can write off the interest that you pay on your primary residence. There's some massive benefits from doing so. You can't necessarily do that in Canada. Unfortunately, there is something called the Smith Maneuver, which we'll touch on in later episodes to break down exactly what that is. But in Canada, you don't get the benefits from paying the interest associated with paying your mortgage, but you do actually have this really, really cool thing, which is capital gains exemption on your primary residence. So if you bought that property with 5% down, $25,000, and in five years, that home was worth $800,000 and you sold that property, all the money that you earn is uh, exempt from taxes, exempt from capital gains. You don't have to pay taxes on that additional money what other type of investment can you look at where you don't have to pay any capital gains taxes for that type of return? Not many, none that I know of off the top of my head. Now, from a renter's perspective, you don't actually have to get, you don't get these tax benefits, but again, you're also not paid to or tied to any of the maintenance costs or other expenses associated with having a property that you own. You're not tied down. You can move to different locations. So there are some benefits from, from a tax perspective. There is no tax benefit from being a renter. And if you are investing, as we talked about in the markets, you have to pay tax on any of your earnings. You don't have that capital exemption that you do have as a primary property owner. The other factor, the thing is about renting. Now, again, I, I hear the, the people talk about rent where you live and buy where you don't want to. And I, I totally make sense for me. And I think that's a separate conversation from rent versus buy. But that's a conversation I think that should come up uh, a lot of times and people should talk about because, you know, truth is when I hear people talk about rent versus buy or should I buy, they only think of it in context of renting where they're living or buying where they're living and not buying any other real estate. 
And the downside of owning where you live is the same opportunity of renting where you want to live, which basically means you can still get into the real estate market with a property, even where you don't want to live and invest into it and still see the benefits, reap the rewards of owning while still renting. So if you live in Vancouver and you have enough for 20% down on a property that's $500,000, you could, for example, look to purchase a property, even a bungalow in a different city, like for example, Edmonton, earn an exceptional rent. You could see uh, cash flow from that type of investment and stay renting in the city where you are. What this does is it allows you to get invested into the market, see that cash flow component, and it also allows you to avoid the expense of getting into the Vancouver market, specifically if you can't afford what you're looking for in that Vancouver area or location that you're looking at. There's some pros and cons associated with that, and I'm not suggesting that Edmonton is the way to go, although we do have a lot of people who invest pretty heavily in that market. But the thing is, it's about changing your mindset around that consideration and looking at different types of ways to do it. Now, the other factors are if you're thinking about renting and you want to stay that way and you're thinking about this this strategy of, of buying where you don't want to live, some of the flexibility that it provides you, such as moving to different cities easily, you don't have to deal with maintenance or anything of that nature. And then believe it or not, there are actually some cities in Canada where it's actually cheaper to rent than to own. Now, they're not generally speaking heavily populated cities. Like you're not really seeing that in a Calgary. You're not really seeing that in a Vancouver or Toronto and in surrounding areas. But if you were to go to, you know, for example, some of the cities in Manitoba or Saskatchewan or smaller towns outside of some of the main cities, there still are places that you can rent specifically on the East Coast, which would be less expensive than owning. What's interesting though, is since COVID, since 2020, we've seen the gap even in those areas and those communities close up more and more and more and more. And it's making more and more sense for people to become owners, which a lot of that has to do with immigration coming into our country and the amount of supply in virtually almost every single city and community. Think about it this way. If you've got a lot of people coming to your country, let's say immigrants, students, these types of people, for a lot of these people, they don't buy real estate right away. Contrary to what the news says, contrary to what you think is happening, you generally speaking, don't buy a home as soon as you move to the country. Most of these people are looking for work or they're going to school and they're looking for rentals. And so the reality is, is what that does is a few things. It drives up rental rates. And the second thing is it does is years down the line, it reduces the amount of capacity or housing available for people who are looking to own which will drive the value of these properties up. Now that's more of a political conversation and we can get into that for sure, but are you building enough or not building enough? But the truth is, this is another reminder specifically in Canada of the value of owning versus renting. Because again, less opportunities, less places for you to rent. And again, you'll see the appreciation from realistically less building going on. So here's the thing. What's interesting is a lot of people don't think about the fundamentals. You own a house, with the exception of what's going on with some variable rate mortgages, you pay down a mortgage and you build up your equity. So you're paying down your mortgage, your property value over a period of time is going to eventually go up. And so, you know, if you have a fixed rate mortgage, for example, you have a consistent payment over time, your income will increase your money, the cost of borrowing and the amount of money that you're using with inflation actually ends up going down. So if you borrow $500,000 today and you start paying off your mortgage, $500,000 today in 10 years might actually be worth 
$380,000 or $350,000. And so by amortizing a mortgage, you're essentially using inflation as an opportunity to reduce the cost of that mortgage. Whereas rental rates do the exact opposite. Rental rates, with the exception of rental caps, generally speaking, keep going up with the cost of living. And so as you see mortgage rates go up, as you see the cost of go housing go up, you see the average housing and rental rate go up dramatically. Between 2020 and 2023, we saw one bedroom rental rates in Vancouver alone go up from an average of in under $2,000 to nearly $3,000. Other communities like Kelowna, the Okanagan, uh, Vancouver Island, Victoria, and other cities outside of major communities are also seeing rental rates go up dramatically. And that's just because the cost of living, inflation is going up. And generally speaking, people who own those homes who have mortgages also have increasing costs. So it's another reminder that the reality of owning a home, it provides you stability and renting a home, assuming you're moving into a different location is going to become more expensive as time goes up. Okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, interest rates. So uh, like the truth is when you're owning, low interest rates make mortgages more affordable. And, and they have made them more affordable. But we have to keep in mind that rates can fluctuate and they have, I mean, the truth is they've gone up nearly 4% in the last year. And so there's a lot of people with variable rate mortgages who are not happy campers about owning real estate. But we have to remember that that is something that ideally, historically speaking at least, isn't a constant. It is something that's generally speaking going to go up and go down and ideally most of those people are still making their principal and interest payments they own the real estate five seven ten years from now that property value has continued to increase now from a renter's perspective they might say hey i'm not actually affected by those interest rates but the reality is interest rates increases completely do affect the rental market as we talked about previously and so anecdotally i've seen it you know left right and center where people are deciding to you know, sell off their houses because of rental rates not being high enough. A new homeowner goes in there and either lives in the property or they have to increase the rent to account for the difference in cost as they rent that property. No matter what way you swing it, when interest rates go up, everyone is affected negatively. So what is the flaw in my theory of owning versus renting? Whether you choose to rent or you choose to own. The truth of the matter is, I mean, the flaws are, are really subjective. We don't know your personal financial status, your situation. I have no idea where you are in your career or personal life, but if you did a financial audit and you were trying to figure out, okay, where can I put this money for the highest rate of return? I have to live somewhere. What can I do to protect my cost of living? And you also look at this and say, well, I'd like to have some uh, opportunity for myself to, to leverage, to create a greater amount of income in the future. Putting your money into housing is probably one of the best bets that you could ever make. But people make the constant mistake of only analyzing it based on the here and the now, not over the long term. And I think that's what you really have to do here is you have to, you have to analyze when you buy real estate over a five, seven, a 10 year period versus renting, even longer in many situations, over 20 years. And you have to really ask yourself the question and say, where will I be in five, seven or 10 years? What will the market look like in five or seven or 10 years? And that's just, that's the mistake that people make over and over and over again is they analyze decisions based on the here and the now and the emotion. I mean, if you're flush with cash and you're sitting here at the end of 2023 and you're in a position where you're looking at the current rate market, you probably should be someone who's actually actively looking to buy in this type of market, own real estate. Because historically speaking, when interest rates go up, guess what? House prices decline, they th things soften. And, you know, his, again, historically, as we see things go up higher and higher and higher, 
uh, there's likely to be a, a harder fall when it comes to interest rates and the cost of living and so forth. So really from a key point perspective, it provides you, owning a property provides you with the opportunity for leverage. Renting, it could provide you an opportunity to diversify. So if you're a renter, you have that diversification capability. And I'm not gonna get into the ins and outs of what type of investment you should consider. That's up to you. We can have people come on and talk about that or feel free to send me a note on that matter. But the truth is one way or another, you're going to need to invest. And if nothing else, owning a piece of real estate is like a forced savings plan for most Canadians who aren't saving money anywhere else anyways. You get that benefit of the capital gain. So if you own real estate or you refinance your property, remember, that's one of the highest and best points of leverage. So you can refinance your property. You don't have to pay any tax on it, just the interest associated with it. And if you sell your property, you don't pay any taxes on the actual sale of that property. Plus you get the benefit of the, the, all the profit that you're making from it as well. As you mentioned, you know, if you're moving around from city to city to city, or you're a nomad, or you don't like staying in the same place, or you want to stay somewhere that you could never afford to own, then it probably makes sense to rent. But then you should consider the possibility of buying where you can afford that way you can get your yourself dipped into the market. And, and ultimately, interest rates themselves play a big factor in this entire picture where rates are will impact your ability to own your cost of living where you can buy. But remember, interest rates are temporary uh, in, in terms of where they go. 2020 rates were sub 2%. 2019, they were over 4%. 2023, they're over 6%. Rates are going to go up and down as time goes on. And if you use that as your margin or your decision maker, then you're probably making a bad decision as far as whether it's renting or buying. I would love to hear whether you think it makes more sense to rent or buy. Send me a message on at the mortgage pug at Flow Mortgage Co. And let me know, does it make more sense to rent or buy? Did I make some good points right here? Were my theories shit? Like, let me know exactly what you think. And what did I miss out on? What else would you like to know? For future episodes, make sure to provide suggestions in those feedback channels. And if you're loving the show, again, remember to make sure to like, make sure to uh, share this out. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm excited about the opportunity to help you create more wealth in real estate and put yourself in a better financial position. That was an unreal episode of The Flow. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did on my side right here. If you haven't already done so, make sure to check out all of the incredible resources that we have available. You can find us on Instagram at Flow Mortgage Co. You can find us on our website, getflowmortgage.ca. And of course, don't forget our free first time homebuyer masterclass that's currently available on our website for anyone who listens to the episodes. And if you loved what you listened here today, the only thing that we ask for is to share this with someone else that you think this could help. And hey, maybe leave us a great review online.